morning from Sleepless in Dubai. My name's Julie Mahan and I'm the founder of Nurture to Sleep. My background is very much based in evidence and research and I am the mother to three incredible daughters. Very proud mother. And I'd like now to hand you over to my co-host, Laura. Hello, my name is Laura Buckwell. I'm an international event MC, a broadcast journalist and former TV news anchor. And of course, most importantly, a mother of two. And we are very fortunate today to be joined by Hannah Pierce, who is the CEO and founder of Mums and Munchkins. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. So first question, yes. let's get our, our listeners sort of up to date. Uh -huh. Tell us about your journey into Mums and Munchkins. Okay, so I am a mum of three. I was working very much corporate marketing background and the company actually um, closed. It was um, Fortnum Mason, big sort of department store. And I then was offered a new role inside the company, but with the local laws here, it was 45 days maternity. So fortunately, I was allowed to kind of make the decision with my husband, do I need to go back into work and kind of have that stress with the babies? So I decided to not work for a year, have the time with the babies. And as- Sorry, can I stop you there? Yes. This is very, very important. You weren't in paid work. When you're right. Yes, 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 yes. Yeah. This is, we need to make this distinction really clearly. You were in, you weren't in paid work. This is actually, exactly. 100%. I actually chose, I said, I need to work for my husband because it was for me an opportunity starting Mums and Munchkins to kind of selfishly get away, you know, from the kids, whether that was working from home or going into a coffee shop. Like, that's just me being honest. Like, you need re time at the end of the day. 100%. like yourself again. 100%. Yeah. Yeah. So I was looking at opportunities, going back to full-time work as a, once you had kids, like I think we all know, it's just different. Like, do you want to be 12 hours away, you know, from home? So I started Mums and Munchkins and honestly, that was five years ago. My twins then were one and it's just really grown organically over the last five years. So what it was when it started was like lots of small businesses when mums start here, it derived out of a niche in the market. So I was looking for beds for my kids and we were sleep training at the time and I wanted the Montessori beds, the ones where the mattress is on the floor, but it had to have rails around the side so it was safe because they were coming out of their cots. Couldn't find them anywhere, so I actually started manufacturing them. But um, over the last years, more and more companies, like for example, Home Center started mass producing them. So then it became more difficult for me to do it. Um, and then actually in COVID, funny enough, the plus size to COVID, I was trying to find new ways to play with my twins. They were three then at the time. And I was in the garden and I had these trays and I was trying to be creative, play that I probably normally wouldn't have done. And um, I did a post on my Instagram account, um, opening mums, like the question was, would you be interested in this sort of play? Normally I get one or two comments max. I kid you not, I had 150 to 200 comments. My phone was just buzzing. I was like, what is happening? And they were all like, yes, I would love to do this as a party hire or as a class or give me more tips on how I can do this at home. So yeah, that's kind of like where I am more now. Over time, I stopped doing the beds. I've picked up more and more play sessions. And it's just become more of organic. Like for me as a mom, like I now do more arts and crafts because my twins now are six. So I do stuff for the older kids. But recently I've had a baby. So now I'm doing like baby play sessions. So I feel really fortunate that when I'm 
working and I'm kind of discovering how I can do a new tray or a new activity with my kids, I can get them involved. Like they make Play-Doh with me. The baby can come to the baby play sessions. Um, so yeah, that's basically where I'm at now. I mean, it's incredible because then you can literally, you marry the two, like your motherhood and then your business. Let's get an expert. <laughs> Maybe you're an expert in both, you know, and you yeah. sort of like learn along the way as well, I suppose. It as well. helps, yeah. But interesting what you said about the 45 days, because I had 45 days uh, maternity. I then took two months of like my, you know, pay, uh, not, not yeah. paid leave. And uh, and then went back just part-time. I was really, really lucky to get back part-time, which just isn't really sort of an option here, is it? No, no. It, I mean, I think things are changing, but unfortunately they're not changing fast okay. enough here. Yeah. But just in terms of, you know, looking at your, um, how your business has grown mm-hmm. organically, but I also know that you do like the philosophy of nurture. It is evidence-based and looking into the research. And I know that, you know, guides your work too. So how do you see play important in terms of creativity with our children? So corporate that. Honestly, when I started Mums and Munchkins, I wasn't sure where it would go. And like I said, it's changed dramatically since it first started. And I recently, well, I'd say two, three years ago, I did a teaching course because my background is marketing, it's corporate. So for me, it was, as you say, it was great because it was for my work, but also it was helping me to be a better parent. Traditionally, when I looked at play before I did this course, I was like, okay, we'll get them a puzzle. We will, I don't know do something with them a board game so what this course actually has enabled me to understand is the importance of play and just how intrinsic it is to the development of our child all the different types of play for me open-ended play is something that I'd never heard of I didn't really understand small world play so these are new activities now that I do with my children that I absolutely love seeing them do Mums and Munchkins has allowed me to have all the different resources, to have the tools, to have the no set, the sorry, the knowledge to put these traits together, to see the children develop, allowing them to, within a safe space, you know, really adapt their creativity, allowing them the freedom to kind of do what they want, not giving them rules. Okay, now this is what we're gonna do. Like so from the my sort of thought process is structuring the child, like scaffolding them is the official term, but not telling them what to do. So not be like, okay, this is what we're going to do now. This is how you do it. You set up an invitation to play and that could be anything and then let them explore it. Because how as adults, we might interpret that setup is very different from how 20 different children, you know, they might all take to it differently, which is what I love to see open-ended play because every child adapts to it differently. And so how does that affect sleep? Because obviously we're talking about sleep today. So how important is that type of play to, to sleep within children? And is there a specific type of play that sort of helps them sleep better? So yeah, so many different types of play. I mean, obviously physical play is fantastic for sleep. You know, it gets them tired and it gets them geared up for a great night's sleep. But I mean, the opportunities to play are endless, whether it's role play or like I was mentioning before, small world play. But I think the more active the child is, for me, it's about allowing them to use their imagination. Um, So really that freedom to play. And of course, you can link that to like bedtime routine and activities. So um, you could be like making bedtime fun by doing some sort of play or activity. And I think it's like, giving children the choices like so for me what I've learned over the years is parenting because obviously we start at parents and we're blind completely (laughs) completely blind and is allowing them to have choices which 
for us as a parent, we are actually telling them what to do, but we're doing it in a way where they think they're in control. So instead of saying to them, okay, now you're gonna put on your pajamas and go to bed, you make it more of a game and be like, oh, look at these three pajamas. Which ones are you gonna choose? Which ones do you think Teddy would like to sleep next to? And then like getting into bed can be like a game or who can get into bed first and what story shall we tell? And all these things that kind of- There's so much in there what you so said, much. you know, where you're talking about play and physical exercise. So there was a, a really interesting study where you had um, a group of adults and a group of children and they were fitted with a, um, a stepometer and um, they measured the energy expenditure of the adult and the child outside with X amount of steps and inside with the exact same number of steps. For both adults and children, uh, slightly, slightly more than with the children, but still the outcome was the same in that there was three times greater energy expenditure outside yeah. than inside, even with the same number of steps. So physicality, that is really, really important to get our children moving. Yeah. And also get the children moving is all about building the vestibular part of the brain where it's all about balance. So, you know, you talk about the importance of play. Play is about the construction, the architecture of the brain. That's what you're talking about yeah. here as well. And then I'm sure both of you are really, really aware about that incredible study, the marshmallow test. Oh, yes, I do know. Yeah. yeah. And then clever, yeah. Isn't it? Now, when it was first carried out about 1959, 1961, 62, and then followed through, what they discovered was the children who had the capacity to wait, the toddlers, they were the children who grew into the adults who were successful on every level, not just academically, but on a personal note. Now, three years ago, they decided let's repeat it because there wasn't enough inclusivity or diversity so let's repeat it but before they did they sent out a questionnaire to all the anyone who's dealing with children um you know your nursery assistants your nursery teachers lecturers parents um educational psychologists everyone question ultimately was do you think that children of today or three years ago would have a greater delayed gratification or worse 83 percent of this number came back and said definitely worse instant gratification now in the world oh, we live in yeah. but actually to their surprise to the researchers they're wrong when they started the work with the children the children now have a much greater delayed gratification and one of the reasons they think that is is because you as parents now are much better at giving problem solving experiences to your children so like you were just saying it's about giving those choices would you like the blue one or the red one um, and that actually is inadvertently problem solving. But again, it's all about the plays, really, really. Allowing them to be in control yeah. and allowing them the freedom to express what they want as yeah. opposed to being told. Also to build that, uh, you know, within the brain, again, to build that part that enables them to encounter these small choices when it doesn't matter, whether it's a blue pyjamas or a red pyjamas, uh -huh. it doesn't really matter. To, it matters a lot to them. To them. But when yeah. they come to making really important choices, they've had lots of practice. Which is strange, isn't it? Because you think with the rise of YouTube and YouTube shorts and social media and things like that, it's instant gratification, isn't it? Yeah, so that's amazing. Yeah. To hear. yeah, it's really positive. I think back to like the decision making process, it's allowing them to also understand like the outcome. So if they just choose this, what will be the outcome of that? And like you said, like play, they can learn so many things, which is then linked to their development further on mm -hmm. by giving them this role play example. You know, you can help teach them. Like my friend recently, her daughter 
was so petrified of going to the dentist. And I said to her, why don't you just role play a situation, make it fun, make it interesting, you know, show that it's not something that needs to be scary. And, you know, they did that. And she said, it was a little bit stressful, but you know, it was okay. So kind of like through play, you can teach your child basically anything because at a young age, that's how the only way they're learning. Yeah. Um, so that, yeah. And that I really incorporate into my work as well. If we have a toddler, and, you know, I will say to the parent, practice, role play. You know, you get down on the floor and you'll say, let's practice how we're going to go to bed tonight. So, you know, mummy lies down and mummy has to put her own blanket on. And we do that Cause they, like, yeah. using all mediums. Yeah. You know, we mustn't forget all the mediums that are out there, you know, from reading to the role play to all these different aspects. So, yeah, absolutely. That's very much part of what we're doing. Um, just a, b- a bit of a personal question. How are your kids sleeping? Because you've got quite young children, especially the, the new baby. I suppose she's a year old. Yes, yeah. I probably <laughs> need to consult Julie on this. They're okay. I mean, I think they definitely could be better. I mean, honestly, as a, as a working mom, I definitely don't adopt lots of the sleep time routine that I wish that I had the time to do. Um, the kids definitely should be going to bed earlier and I need to be spending more time doing reading with them. So I definitely, there's lots of room for improvement, let's say. Um, but they're okay. The baby is sleeping through the night. Um, takes a little bit too long to go down. So maybe we'll have a separate conversation on how you can help. But that's the thing. That's the, this the, the the problem for so many working mums, isn't it? It's finding the time to do yeah. things. Yeah, and I'm the very, guilt. Yeah, it's but the guilt. The biggest. Exactly. I was just about to say the biggest roadblock is not finding the time. It's the guilt. Yeah. It's I'm working. I'm you know maybe it's because I'm working here and I'm not there. So actually, I'll spend another half an hour with them then. But that's not, that's not. The issue of them taking longer to go down is what you're feeling and that actually is conveyed to them and I think if we really do look at the benefits you know not quoting too much research and too many studies but the studies are really clear that when our children um, are sleeping independently it really benefits them long term I mean just to give you one example and there's many but just one example there was a very large study that came out of Brisbane University and there was over 3,000 children And they followed the children through from birth to the age of six and seven years. And what they discovered, the children who at the age of five, who were still not sleeping independently, Mm -hmm. those were the children who were much more prone to emotional outbursts in the classroom and the playground and were poor self-regulators. Now, if you think of those two factors um, or two lifelong skills, emotional outbursts, poor self-regulators, they actually really, really need this in the adult world and that's what we do have to remember we're growing an adult we're not growing a child so it is about um not being fearful you know your parenting lasts a lifetime and it it really does your relationship of course changes with your children but so often we get stuck in this idea of i've got to do this now i've got to do this now we haven't got to do it now as as long as the ultimately you know your children are loved that that's it that is absolutely it. And it's the same with the sleep work. You know, putting a limit and a boundary there in place when it comes to bedtime is not being mean or harsh with our children. It's just another way of saying, I love you. Because yeah. you are giving them these lifelong skills of so important. sleep. Yeah. But it's also about self-regulation. That's really what we're building for our children mm-hmm. as adults. So you were, speaking, you were talking earlier about role-playing things. Are there any sort of sleep-related activities that you incorporate 
uh, within Mums and Munchkins. At Mirabelle, passion fuels global connections. For more than 30 years, our international team has launched campaigns across continents through targeted marketing strategies, captivating promotions, and innovative media solutions tailored to brands ranging from fashion to travel and tourism to health and well-being, and so much more. Let our cross-cultural experience engage your audiences. Discover the Mirabelle difference at mirabelle.co.uk. So not specifically all my play sessions are in the day, but I would say, yeah, with my children, any of my friends like asking for advice because I've spoke to so many parents individually and we always come on the subject of sleep. So I feel like I've had a good insight from so many different customers. Um, but yeah, incorporating role play as part of the bedtime routine, I find really helps. So making a fun story about brushing your teeth or getting the children to come into bed and maybe they don't want to read a book that night. So you can tell them to relay their day and then it's like what I always like to say is tell them what was the best thing about your day and then they're bringing the most positive thing that they did that day um, or getting them to make up a story so again it's all about using their creativity um, and they're like games that you can do beforehand which I would just say are more mindful you know coming off the devices um, doing something with the teddy bears maybe tucking them into bed or I mean I've got girls and they're really girly so they love you know like brushing the hair of the teddies and putting you know like hats on them before bedtime um, puzzles anything that's you know more of a, a mindful activity I would say is good before bedtime um, but I think I'm sure like you'll agree a routine I think is oh, key yeah and however you get that routine yeah and that's it is specific to your family yeah whatever yeah. the routine works for you there's no point in me you know suggesting something if that isn't going to work for a family it has to work and you all have your own stories but one of the things that I also incorporate with the sleep work is my three questions for the toddlers, slightly old, you know, um, who are more verbal. So the three questions are, and there was this lovely, lovely story that one of my families I was working with, little boy five, hadn't been sleeping ever. Poor mum. And um, <laughs> I get to... um, anyway, so, and mummy works really, really long hours, but it was very important that all... Everyone was involved in the bedtime. And mummy would get up in the morning, but she wouldn't do, be doing the bedtime because it just... So again, that's how families work. Anyway, so this particular night, mummy was doing the bedtime, but mummy came home about three o'clock in the afternoon early for preparation of the bedtime. And she snuggled up with the little boy and he was saying, well, how's your day? And then she said, oh gosh, it was really bad. I met this little boy um, who had no shoes on his feet and he didn't have very much money. And so he said, what, you did, what did you do, mummy? So sh she told him, anyway... Went to bed that night and then we had the three stories. So the three questions rather, the three questions are, what was the worst thing that happened to you today? So we all start okay. off in the negative because we're not going to. Mm -hmm. And uh, he said, the little boy with no shoes, mummy. Oh, five, this little boy. And he said, uh, and then she said, and what was the best part about your day? Confident that he was saying, you were going to, you being here with me, mummy. And he said, um, you giving the money for oh, this little boy for a big bag of chips because she gave him extra money. Um, and then he, she said, so what's the best part about tomorrow? And he said, oh, you taking me to school tomorrow, mummy. But there's an exchange. Mummy has to exchange what yeah. was her bad part okay. and good part okay. and what she is looking forward to. So it's really about, from the very beginning, implementing these questions of gratitude. Mm -hmm. Ultimately, gratitude, that's yeah. what it's about. Yeah. Um, and if we can do that from a very young age with our children, that sets them up for the future too. But I was saying to this mummy, can you imagine? Yes, it was the question of sleep, but actually it was revealing that her little boy of five 
was very empathetic. Yeah, that's amazing. We actually do that at the end of holidays. So what was your best sort of bit about the holiday? What did you like most? You know, we, we ask all these questions. It's only with holidays, so maybe it's we'll do that. At the fantastic end of to understand, isn't it? Like how their mind works. And But the important bit is the exchange of yeah. you as well, yeah. because, you know, sometimes they need to know what is going on in your yeah. day. And yeah. we forget. Yeah. The more information we give them, the closer the connection as well. So with any of the sleep work, none of it is about disconnect. None of it. It's the opposite, actually. Don't you find that when you pick your kids up from school, it's like, oh, how's your day? Tell me about school. And they're completely mute. They will they literally they never tell me a single no. word about oh, what I happens in school. <laughs> it's really frustrating. But it's almost like a pattern has developed. So now you have to switch that around. You've got to think, okay, I'm going to do something different today and I bet you'll get a different response. So I'd love to know what they do at school. I don't know. <laughs> Did you have a good day? Was it fun? Who are your pals? You know? Maybe start telling them about yours. Yeah. Maybe start telling them about yours. So. Did we talk about messy play yet? We spoke about open-ended play. I think, yeah. I mean, um, not so much. Um, messy play, again, it's something that I only recently discovered since doing, like I said, this um, teacher training course. And I never really thought too much about it. I don't even know if I knew specifically the word messy play. But since doing the course and researching, again, so much research about the benefits yeah. of messy play, specifically yeah. in babies, but also older children as well. Um, mm -hmm. So I won't bore you with all of the research, but just how amazing it is for a little one to get them stuck in and involved. Now, some of the classes that I do, moms are very nervous of messy play and they're like, oh, my little one doesn't like it. I would just say, kind of take a step back, let them explore it at their own pace. So they might kind of, I find lots of children that come into my play sessions at the start are quite overwhelmed if they've never been there before and they're kind of like looking around and the mom wants to force them to get involved, you know, because you paid for a session, right, do this, do this. But what you find is the, the best approach is just to let them kind of walk around the room, explore it. They might touch it a little bit at first and be a little bit kind of, taken back for it, not like it. But then you always find after time, especially as they see other children in the room doing it, they get more engaged in it and they get more involved. Um, but I don't think mums have to worry specifically if the child isn't interested in it because I know we hear all these things, your child needs to do this. And as you were saying, every child is different. Yeah. So whilst it is great and it's fantastic for like developing their sensory, you know, the five senses and all these things that they're learning, the different textures and they're just learning cause of effect. If I do this with the bucket and then it tips all over me. Um, but some children just really don't like it. But surely it's okay. like every kid's dream to literally just throw as much. You'll be surprised. Some oh, just like put okay. their hand in and they, they cry. They're just like, what is this on my hand? And it's That was going to be my question actually, post-COVID. I do believe post-COVID has really, really um, organically created risk-averse, uh, yeah. risk mess-averse, adverse because, you know, we were so worried about germs and, and so we'll clean everything. Mm. So our children have actually had very limited access to this messy mm. plate. Yeah, we don't even let them eat with yeah, yeah, yeah. anymore. Yeah. It's like, let me feed you. I think that's or, the easiest form of messy play. You know, you don't want to necessarily, you can't come to one of the play sessions and you don't want to create the mess at home because... I mean, I definitely wouldn't want to recreate what I do at my play sessions in my house. But at food time, meal time, if they're babies, you know, let them explore, you know, the different textures, the food. Yes, it is going to get a little bit messy, but I think that's the great way to start with messy play. Yeah. Um, and then in time. Often if I'm speaking with a parent and, you know, I can see that they're, um, you know, they're helping, they're over assisting their children in terms of feeding and so on. And I'll explain to them how, you know, in their 
children's feet in all our fingertips, there are millions and millions of nerve endings which are communicating with the brain. Yeah. So, you know, let them do this. Yes. So they're going to build their speech and language and all these different things yeah. to activate the brain. Yeah. So once they have a better understanding, they're much more likely <laughs> to be a little bit braver. Because we do have to be courageous for our children. Yeah. We absolutely do. Yeah. Um, and, you know, when we model, then that's yeah. going to be helpful. All about okay. modeling. Yeah. So, but you're also saying as well about sometimes, you know, children come in and they're a little bit nervous. And um, again, with my families, you know, I talk to them about what you described and described it beautifully is what we call social referencing. So we know that children, it's not until the age of eight, mm -hmm. does the separation anxiety that part of their brain absolutely finished. It's completed at eight. We think it's much earlier, but it's not. So when they're coming into your class and they, you know, think about, them. yeah, and that's what's going on there is that whole social referencing. They're clinging on to mum because mum is their safe yeah, mate. They're that, overwhelmed. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So it's just, you know, again, when I explain to the parents, now there's different types of separation anxiety. And we know, for example, that at 18 months, that's when there is a peak in separation anxiety. And you can see the behavior of the child changing, but and then we think, well, 18 months and then it's gone. But very often somewhere between two and two and a half, there's another spike in separation anxiety. Mm -hmm. And it's all of those factors that when they come to your play group, that's what you're experiencing as well. And if again, if we can let parents know that actually this is completely normal yeah, developmental yeah. behavior, mm -hmm. completely normal. But I think post-COVID is huge. Yeah, yeah. So in terms of your business, yeah. where do you see future growth of your business and how do you see it developing? I would love to obviously do more play sessions. At the moment, it's just me. So time is limited. I wish I was an octopus, you know, when you could put the kids to bed and you could also do this. But I would definitely love to get some um, some assistance and just have more regular sessions. I don't have any sessions on the weekend. So lots of working moms always message me and be like, you know, I can't come. Can I do on a weekend? Um, I'm developing sensory kits. So again, for a working mom or someone that can't come to the play sessions, you can order it and then you can play with it at home. Um, the tough trays that I sell are actually fantastic for containing the mess. Um, okay, so hold on. Just elaborate on your tough tray. Okay, so this there, sounds really, really wonderful. Yeah. It actually um, originated from the UK and it is a cement mixing um, base. And they're around 100 centimeters in diameter and they're around five centimeters deep. So what it does, and it's made of plastic, which I don't love, but it's the most durable like resource. You can have it outside, you can have it inside. And because it's so lightweight, you can easily transfer it from room to room. And having the kind of like, because it's low on the ground, it's so easy for kids or babies to kind of get submersed into the play so they can step inside of the tray. So whether that's some um, spaghetti that like I've cooked and color it, you know, red, green, blue, and the baby's sitting there and then she can eat it because it's taste safe. But also it contains the mess, not entirely, but this rim. So for example, one of the most famous like, um, or popular, should I say, um, activity is sensory rice. So this is just getting the rice, coloring it with food color, I'm putting it in there. And I think it's like the texture, the noise it makes. So I put letters in there and even for babies, like my nine month old, she gets involved and she's feeling it in her toes, she's feeling it in her hands. And obviously mess like that, if it wasn't in some sort of contained tray would go everywhere. So it basically, it can have water in it, it can have soil in it, it can have sand in it, it can have, 
oh, there's just a million and one. You can use it yeah. for small world play. So no limitation at all. This no. is no limitation. How big, yeah. how big are these boxes though? Is it so it's a hundred centimeter. So basically, you could have like five, six children inside, oh. or like they use them a lot at nurseries, like any yes. nursery that yeah, you yeah. see, yeah. see them outside. Um, so in all early years, um, schools, I think they have them because it's because of the size, it's great for encouraging group play. Yeah. Um, so they can all kind of get involved. Um, so that is probably one of my recommendations. If you want to do play at home, I definitely um, recommend one of these trays and you can, it doesn't have to be expensive, the things that you buy. I mean, you can get sand off Amazon. You can get soil from your local garden center. You can get creative, open the cupboards, pour out some pasta that's a sensory tray, add some scoops. It doesn't have to take, you know, you see on Pinterest these trays and they look incredible and the moms obviously spend hours of, you know, time and money putting it together. Five seconds, the kid will just destroy it. You know, it's important. Who has that time? Who has that time? Yeah. And I think we all see these Pinterest beautiful stories. And as a mom myself, you know, you feel so guilty. You know, I don't have the time to do that. But it's funny how things are portrayed. So the other day a mom said to me, oh, you know, you're so lucky. Like your kids do all these arts and crafts with you because one of the play sessions is an arts and crafts. Um, you're such a great mom. Like, I wish I had more time to do what you do. And I said, I'm doing arts and crafts here, but I don't have the time to do it, you know, with my kids because I think they see all the beautiful stuff that I do and then, you know, presume that I have the time to do it with my kids. So I think sometimes what people see on social media and then they're like become jealous of that is actually you know, not necessarily the case. And we see these moms on Pinterest doing, it might be, you know, that that's, you know, that's their full-time job and that's what they make money that's, from. That's also really refreshing of you, to be honest, and say, <laughs> no, this is not, and we need more of that. Yeah, yeah. particularly amongst yeah. the community of mothers because the guilt factor yeah. is huge. Yeah. And it never, ever leaves you. Whether yeah. you're talking about yeah. three or you're talking about 33, it never leaves you. And I'm sure my mom will be saying the same as well. So just as women... And actually, sorry, from a neurological perspective, the construction of our brain is very different for the male. You know, we are oxytocin-led, whereas the male is testosterone-led. But the, within the structure of the brain, we carry much more memory and emotion. So that makes sense. That, yes. That's <laughs> why we're supposed... Anyway. Yeah. And we've got to remember that perfection in parenthood just doesn't exist. No, no. Don't believe anything you read on no. social media, basically. But if people want to sort of join one of your groups, uh -huh. you, uh -huh. then how would, how would they I guess the best thing to go would um, be on Instagram. So I'm at Mums and Munchkins and I have all the details of my schedule. On and so that. parents can join specific Yeah, so basically... I have different play sessions, different ages. So it should be clear on Instagram, I have the schedule pinned to the top. Um, but basically, as a mom myself, I know it's really difficult to commit to a session. You have the best intentions, especially when you have a little one, of being somewhere at a certain time. So you don't need to pre-book. So you'll see all the schedule. Mums can just turn up. The spaces are big enough to, to hold enough people. Um, so it's giving mum that flexibility. And I always have them open for like four or two hours maximum. So it gives mums that flexibility. You know what it's like, you're getting out of the house. I need to be there at 11. I've paid for something. And then I think because I had twins, I would always be so anxious. Oh, I'm running late. And then not that any mums do judge you, but I would come into the room being late, having had the twins and thinking, oh, everyone else managed to get her on time. How did I, you know, rock up late? And then sometimes you want to leave early. Twins. That's how. <laughs> I mean, I didn't go out that much, to be honest. <laughs> but then you sometimes when your kids are kicking off, you just want to leave early. Like you don't want to be in a social situation. And then there's the anxiety in a room and you feel like, oh, I don't want to leave early. So I'm hoping that because my session has the freedom, if you come in at 20 past 10, no one knows that you actually plan to come in at 10. And if you leave at any time, 
you know, people are just yeah. coming in and going. So it's taking that anxiety away. The children are playing. For me, as a mum myself, I want the mums, the parents, the caregivers to enjoy the play session as well. So it's always somewhere where they can get a coffee because, you know, coffee is life. <laughs> um, it's always somewhere if the baby's gone to sleep. The baby sessions especially, it's um, in this really nice restaurant. 90% of the mums, they come, it finishes at 12 and then they all meet together afterwards and they have lunch in the same restaurant. So, you know, it's a night, it's, it's, the babies are asleep because they've had the play okay. and they've been so active. needs are met. There you go. Yeah. So, um, so, yeah, so I do different sessions and obviously the play one derived once I had the baby. I never did play um, for babies before, but I was like, why would I pay when I can do this myself? And um, yeah, it's just been really nice to meet new mums as well and to get Macy the baby out of the house as well. Um, so yeah. yeah, so you've got a great community, great following built yeah. up. Yeah, it's um, it's just really surprising. I mean, this is actually never where I thought I would be. I thought I'd doing some corporate job, and um, even my third baby, she she wasn't planned. She was a beautiful surprise. And what it's taught me, the way where I am in my business, and as a mom of three kids, just never expect what's going to happen in life. Like I'm happy, I'm so happy, but I never ever thought that this life would be mine. <laughs> Great, you've got those skills that you can transfer into something else that you're passionate about and that you love and you can make something sort of, you know, a good business. Yeah, it's relevant for yeah. the kids, which is great. So it's helping me also be a mom and be present with them, but then also... But something for you too. It, yes, it, yeah. That's what I'm saying. You know, you were talking about having the restaurant and the, all the mums going in afterwards. So everyone's needs to be met, mm -hmm. and that's okay. That's what yeah, you know. Yeah, and then needs yeah. to be met for you too. Yeah, we learn a happier mummy. We have happy. Uh, you have to look after yourself, I think. And I think that for me, the play sessions. Yes, the children are entertained, but for me, it's also about the mum. Like some of the play sessions, obviously, there's so many opportunities out there that are incredible. But lots of them, I found like five, six years ago when I was going with my twins, they were in a studio which really wasn't that stimulating. You couldn't have a, a drink because obviously you didn't want to spill it. Um, you couldn't talk to the mums because there was an instructor telling you what you needed to do. So I think from my experience, I wanted that freedom. And having done my course, I think it's even more important important for the children to just have that freedom because at home there are more boundaries you know you don't want to get that rice and spill it all over the floor because you know we are stressed and we're busy parents and we can't allow them to make that mess at home because you know we don't have the time so I think allowing the play within limits and like I said these trays are fantastic it does like you know contain it um, and the play sessions I always say to the mums like can they throw this out the tray I was like yes like do whatever they want to do we'll clear it up afterwards so I think that's the benefit for them the child can just do things that at home mum would be too nervous to do <laughs> and talking about that so I was like uh, last week I was with a really lovely really lovely family and the little one is uh, just over one year and both parents are really quite anxious because they have lots and lots and lots of marble flooring about this child falling and hurting his head. And um, anyway, whilst I was there, I really, really distracted them to allow the child to yeah. do what yes. this little one needed to do. Yeah. And, you know, she he picked up this little walker and he walked and they went, I've never seen him do that before. But it's because I had distracted yeah. them. So they weren't quite so nervous. Now, one of the reasons I was there was because of sleep. Anyway, um, this little boy was really, really walking and all this. And and uh, that night, they sent me a message saying, it's obviously Julie Magic because the child went down to sleep. No protest, nothing. Yeah. And it's not. It's just, I know Freedom. in that time, in that consultation with Charles, the child was allowed mm -hmm. to do and yeah. explore. Yeah. So intellectually and physically, yes. 
his brain was being challenged. Yeah. And therefore he went to sleep because he was tired enough. So being, again, it's yeah. like we said throughout the conversation about being courageous for our children. And I think it's hard. I mean, this is my third baby. So I'm like, you know, anything goes. <laughs> but, yeah, you know, you know I see lots of mums, first time mums. And, you know, it is so different. And you are so anxious. And this is your precious, you know, your most precious thing in the world. Do you want to just let it go off in the, in the walker? And I know it's like, it's hard. I mean, like I said, my third, we, we've been doing that. And lots of parents come and they see our house is not really great for, for kids um but they learn we've got this one table that has so many edges and she's knocked herself a few times nothing serious you know a few little tears but now she knows exactly how to navigate herself around that space if you're constantly saying no don't do that and as i said as a, as a first time mom that's your it's your instinct to go and protect the child yeah. but if you just kind of take a step back you'll be so surprised at how they can just learn and they're doing yeah. it on their own right so yeah. they're completely completely without that we have our final question okay as we wrap up <laughs> what to you is the perfect night's sleep and how is there a process that you sort of run through to get there um i think with work and three kids sleep comes pretty easily <laughs> it's just like oh like nine o'clock is it not bedtime already um so i'm pretty lucky actually i go to bed quite easily i can i can switch off which i think is really important um, the perfect night's sleep, I mean, yeah, I'd probably be on my own and having a glass of wine and just kicking back and the kids are relaxed. I think when you know that the kids are asleep, then that is a big sort of help, isn't it? Like, yeah, you're sort of like, yeah, you decompress yeah, afterwards. It's and then would you say eight hours, seven hours? Um, so I try to go to bed at 10 and then the baby wakes up like um, half five, six. So yeah, I think sleep, I mean, for me, it is intrinsic. For my for my development the next day if I haven't had my proper sleep I am just a miserable but I'm not firing on all cylinders I really yeah. struggle it reminds me of how I was when I was pregnant like it's just really frustrating because I want to do stuff but I just don't have the energy I don't have the inclination yeah. I'm eating like you know because I'm tired and binging and for me it's it's so important to get that sleep it is for that cognitive function like you say for us to operate at our op yeah that is what we need that is that sleep, that seven to nine, yeah. whichever is your sleep need, that's mm. what we need. I didn't like going to bed as early. I liked, you know, staying up and having a bit of time on my own, you know, watching that next Netflix series. It's so hard to be like, no, let's go to bed as opposed to watching one more. But I've really found the benefits of it the next day. I really notice the difference. Yeah. Like the same. I love being a sort of night owl, but yeah. now I'm just like, yeah, 10 o'clock, by 10 o'clock. Have to. Yeah. yeah. Oh. Very impressive. Very impressive. Um, <laughs> So thank you so much. This conversation, thank you for I'm, I'm sure you can tell we could have asked many, many more questions. No, but again, just fundamentally, really realizing the importance of sleep. It it impacts all aspects mm -hmm. of our children's day, but our day mm -hmm. too. So with that in mind, um, I want us all to reset, recharge, and together you can conquer absolutely anything. And thank you.